So I just want to um, welcome everybody again to to our church. It's uh, it's really great to to have you all here. Um, hi, Kristen. My my friend Kristen is here. Good to see you. And uh, um, I want to just let you know our our pastor, Pastor Lau, is is up at the North Campus this morning. He's preaching at the North Campus, and he's gonna try to be doing that regularly, and I want to, if um, anybody's new here, we just started the North Campus of, for our church um, at the beginning of this year, and it's kind of a, a new thing for us, but it's, on, a, on the other hand, it's kind of an old thing, too, because that's really what we had always believed, is that we want to fulfill the Great Commission by planning churches, not only internationally, but um, locally as well. So we want to saturate the entire Seattle area with biblical churches that, that love God. And um, we, we firmly believe that planting churches are essential, is essential to fulfilling the Great Commission. So with that in mind, I want to let you guys know that, that as you, know, you get plugged into this church and as you... Um, you know, really participate in this church body that we're looking to, you know, go and, and multiply and f- fulfill <laughs> fill the earth, right? So we, um, we, we see ourselves as not as an organization, but more of like an organism. And an organism grows, right? Like the, you have uh, cells that they go through the process of mitosis. And then there's two cells, and they're exactly the same. It's, it's a miracle. And so we, we believe that the church of God can be like that, that we can grow and multiply organically. So hopefully in the near future, we will be able to start more churches, maybe you know, over in Seattle, so like a Seattle campus, maybe um, east side campus, uh, you know, the south campus. That's, that's our vision. Amen? Amen? Okay, today I want to I share um, a word with you from First Peter chapter 1. So just keep your, you know, if you got one of those uh, bookmarks that, you know, is attached to your Bible or whatever, keep your finger on that page. We're, we're going to be just looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 today. Also, at the, at the end of the service, we're going to be taking a, a free will offering, a love offering for... Um, the, you know, just different things like America, Samoa, they had tsunami and then earthquake and in Indonesia, flooding in Manila, just all kinds of um, natural disasters that were going on this past week. We're going to take a love offering and that will be given to the Red Cross to go help the disaster relief. We're going to be taking that love offering after the sermon today. So, you know, use this time to listen to God how much you, 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 you should give and then be ready at that time. So 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter, the, the, the book of 1 Peter is written by Peter, one of the 12, 12 disciples. He is, um, he's much older at this time, he's in Rome, and he's writing to the Christians who are in what is now modern day central Turkey and northern Turkey along the Black Sea. And he's writing to these people because they're going through um, some pretty difficult times. They're going. They're they're going through some sufferings in their in their life, 
And uh, probably it's persecution for being Christian. At that time, it was really bad to be a Christian. First, from a Roman standpoint, they were like, why are you, you know, uh, you, you worship this guy who is, you know, crucified. We crucified him, you know, and, and you're worshiping him. And, and they, you know, had all bad kinds of things to say. Then the, from the Jewish point of view, it was really bad as well because whoever is hung on a tree receives is cursed by God, you know. So they said, you know, this is your Messiah? No way. So to be a Christian was very difficult. So the, the Christians in, in that, that part of the world, in northern, northern and central Turkey, they were, they were going through hard times. And Peter wrote a letter to encourage them. And he wrote a letter especially to encourage them how to look at their current suffering with hope. And so that's the, the message that I want to share with you guys today. Because I believe that all of us go through suffering in our lives. Right? Who, who, who doesn't have any, any problems at all? Okay. Because, you know, whenever people, you know, I, I used to, when I was young and naive, I, I used to think that, that nobody, that normal people didn't have problems. But as I got older, I realized that normal people have problems. And it's the abnormal people that don't have any problems. In fact, I haven't met anybody who doesn't have any problems. Either it's their problems, problem with them, or a problem with one of their family members, or, you know, their, their wife, or husband, or son, or daughter, or father, or mother, you know, or maybe, um, you know, problems, something happened to them. Everybody's got problems. And in fact, Jesus said that in this world, we will have problems. So this idea that we won't have problems or that Christianity takes away our problems is actually not true. You know, we, it's not true. I actually, I, I even watched the, the lives of my pastors and, and people who I know who are examples to me in my Christian walk, and I see that they have problems. They have lots of problems. It's a matter of how they deal with them, how they view them and how they get through them. So Peter, he has a very important message with us, to us about how we can have hope in the midst of our problems. So first of all, I, I, I want to, before I go further, I want to clarify that sometimes we have problems that maybe it's, it's uh, you know, we caused our problems for ourselves, Right? That's true. Sometimes it happens. You know, we make, we make bad decisions, so we, we get in trouble, you know, naturally, right? Every cause, I mean, you know, there's, a, there's cause and effect, right? You do something, you, you get into trouble. Sometimes there's those problems, right? Sometimes there's problems that God is, is disciplining us, you know, and then we, we learn the lesson. But many times there's, there's problems that we didn't do anything to necessarily deserve that. For example, I'm just thinking, you know, like the flooding in Manila, right, for example. Or maybe you, you lost your job because of the layoffs, because of the economy. Um, or there's, there's some, you know, difficulty that you're doing the right thing and you still have problems. That's even the worst, right? Because you think you're doing the right thing and, and actually you are. You're obeying Jesus, but you have persecutions and problems because of that. So actually this, so I'm not saying that that, uh, you know, all of your problems are going to, because I'm talking about rewards, because Jesus says that you, you'll be rewarded when you go through it. So sometimes, you know, maybe we, we, we deserve the troubles, you know, so we, we kind of go, go through this. But 
today, <laughs> so today, especially, I'm talking, if you're a Christian, and I, I hope to make clear that everybody can, can become a Christian. Nobody is precluded from becoming a Christian. If you're a Christian, and you're going through problems, there's a way, there's, you have good news, and I have good news to share with you today, that you can have hope in the midst of your problems. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So Peter is talking to, remember he's talking to the, um, those people that are going through problems, right? It's always important to remember you know, the context of what we're reading. But I believe that we can, we can apply this if we are Christians and we're going through, through problems that we don't deserve. First of all, he says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's an exclamation mark. He, has, he opens with a word of praise. So even to these people who are, who are suffering, he's, he's saying, Praise be to God. And he has good news to share with them. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into two things. One, a living hope. Second, an inheritance. It's by God's great mercy that we receive these two things. So if you are a Christian, you have received mercy. Actually, God wants to give mercy to all people. Mercy is, is he wants to give us something good that we don't deserve, that he has mercy on us. He says, oh, those guys, they, they need my help. I'm going to help them out. Because, so one, we didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. But the opposite side of mercy is that it doesn't depend on us, right? So one is like, we didn't deserve it. Like, oh, okay, I didn't deserve it. But on the other hand, it, didn't, it doesn't depend on how good we are. So, wow, that's kind of good. You know, it's like, yeah, mercy is good because it, it depends on God, right? Not on me. If it wasn't mercy, it might depend on me. Then maybe I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to deserve it sometimes, right? But because it's by God's mercy, we can have confidence. Sometimes, you know, we, we, do, we do good, we do mediocre, you know, we get like 4.0, then sometimes 3.2, you know, and then sometimes less than that, right? I'm talking about GPA, right? Sometimes we, we, do, we do, you know, better or worse, but God, he, we know we can depend on him. Anything that he gives us, that he tells us, that's rock solid. We can count on that. So God has like 4.0 GPA all the time. So he gives us two things by his mercy. So the, we need to remember he gives us them by his mercy, mercy. The first thing he gives us is a new birth into a living hope. Have you ever heard somebody say, have you been born again? Are you born again? It uh, comes from the Bible. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's the meaning of evangelical. So we're an evangelical church because we believe that Christians must have a born-again experience to become a Christian. We don't believe that you're born into a Christian family and you're already Christian. We believe that everybody must be born again. We're an evangelical church. So he says... He has given us a new birth into a living hope. 
We're born again by the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. So you see, you can see it says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That, those two ideas are, are closely connected. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and being born again. Because it's the same power at work in both of them. Right? So we're not born again by doing good works or anything that we did. But we're born again by the power of God. How do you become born again? You, you accept the offer that God is giving you to become his child. You're saying, God says to you, okay, you've been trying to do this on your own, but you know it's not working. You can't get rid of sin. In fact, the more you harder you try, the more you realize that you're stuck in sin. You're a slave to sin. I want you to repent of your old life. Put that behind you. It's like you die to it, just like Jesus died and was buried. And by faith in me, you, I'm going to give you a new life to be born again as a Christian, as a child of God. That's being born again. And you're born again into a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a kind of wishy-washy hope. It's not a, like a ghost or apparition hope. It's a living hope. It's a real hope. It's a living hope that we can truly live a hope-filled life. You know, sometimes we, we have New Year's resolutions. We say, you know, I want to do this. Or we ask little kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, I want to be this. And, you know, they have potential. Everybody has, you know, potential to do this or that. But when we are Christians, we have a sure hope of a future, not only of this, in this life, but in the life to come. It's because of Jesus' victory we, we have this hope. Because the Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. And he took away all of the reproach, all of the things that were due us because of our sin. He took those away. That's why Paul, Paul when, he's, when he's writing to the 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18 to 22. This is what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 22. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been Yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, amen means let it be so, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So Paul says, whatever promises God has made, in Christ they are always yes. Not just to some Christians, not to just the good, good Christians, but to all Christians. Because it's by faith and it's by mercy, remember? It's not because you've done anything good to deserve it, but it's by his mercy. It depends on God. Okay, that's why in Christ Jesus all these promises are yours by faith. 
That's good news. The second thing he gives, that's a, that's a living hope, okay? The second thing that we're given a new birth into is in, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. So we're given a new birth, a birth, uh, who's given, who's birth, birthed? Children, right? Children are birthed. So we're, we're birthed, and, and when, whenever somebody's born, they always have a mother and father. Whether they're there or not, you know, is a different thing. But they always have a mother and father. And when we're born spiritually, we have a father in heaven, okay? So we're children of God. So as children of God, we have the rights and privileges of children of God. We have authority. We have authority over sickness, over demons. God, uh, Jesus gave us the authority to preach preach the good news. He gave us the authority to preach the gospel of repentance. He said, if anybody, you know, you have authority to forgive sins in um, John chapter 22, I believe, 21, 22, (laughs) you you can look at it. uh, He says, he breathed on them. He says, you know, you have authority to, to do all these things. It's not, you have the authority to go and make up your own cult and stuff. No, you have authority to preach the good news that comes from Jesus Christ. Okay. You have authority I'm talking about the rights and privileges that we have as children of God. We also have purpose as, as, as children of God. God, he gives us purpose to live our lives. He doesn't just give us, you know, the, um, we're not just children of God just to loaf around, you know, and, and uh, you know, like on a, in an amusement park or something. He's given us a purpose to do, uh, to accomplish. Um. He's given us incredible worth as individuals. So no matter your social status, whether, you know, what, no matter what school you went to, what level of education you have, what your nationality is, what your ethnicity is, how, how, how well you speak English, that doesn't matter. What matters, what gives you worth as an individual is your position as children of God, right? So don't, as when you become a Christian, you have the, all these rights and privileges as a child of God. But what it says here, what, what Peter says, he doesn't talk about these things. He talks about an inheritance that's kept for you in heaven because that's the really good thing left for you, okay? But it's kept in heaven for you, all right? Okay, so even though we have all of these good things right now as children of God, the best is yet to come. Can you say that together with me? The best is yet to come. And it's never going to spoil, perish, or fade. Never, ever, for all eternity. And the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Wow. I thought being a Christian was already great enough. But the best is yet to come. God has good things in store for us. You know, I I like... um, You know, sometimes we... We're like, oh, he's talking about heaven and hell. And, you know, I I just don't get it, you know, because I've never seen heaven. I've never seen hell. And in fact, you know, I'm not even sure what's going to happen. Who knows what happens, you know, after I die. And I, I I can't tell you based on my experience because I've never been there. But what I can tell you is definitely the Bible says there is a heaven and a hell. And either we are going to spend all eternity together with Jesus because we accept him 
or we're going to reject Jesus and spend all eternity apart from him. You guys hear that? It's really important. Okay? There's only two options. Either you accept Jesus. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you as payment for your sins so that you can live in eternity with him. That's one option, option one. Or there's option two. You can say, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's true, maybe not, but you know, it's not worth the trouble. And then you reject Jesus. And then you will spend eternity apart from him. Those are the only two options according to the Bible. So, the Bible says clearly there are there is heaven and hell. Sometimes it's hard. I understand it's hard for us to really grasp that because we're still here on earth. And um, that's one reason I like the writings of C.S. Lewis. He, he, he takes really, really complex things and he tries to make them easy to understand. And in all his writings, he, he talks about heaven and hell quite, quite often. Um, even in the Narnia series, like in The Last Battle, if you guys read that, he's like when they go to heaven and stuff. And he always describes heaven as being more real than here on earth. And that's kind of opposite of what we normally think. You know, when you watch the movies and they go up to heaven, everything is kind of like foggy, you know, and it's like the lines are undefined and stuff, and everything's really bright, and people have to squint like, you're like, like this, you know. And it's like you're going around like in a dream. But I like how C.S. Lewis describes it. He says it's like more real than what we're going through here on earth. Can you imagine that? It's like, you know, those, those advertisements for Dolby Sound and like Blu-ray? You guys, how many people have, have, yeah, how many people have seen like the, those Blu-ray, Blu-ray advertisements, right? They're always like, you know, experience, you know, your movies in a real way. You know, everything is more real. The lines are crisper. The sounds are crisper or are more, you know, you experience it to the fullest. It's like, wow, I want to watch Blu-ray, even though I'm watching that advertisement on the normal DVD. <laughs> But it, you, you get the feeling that, wow, Blu-ray is somehow more real, lifelike, you know, more lifelike than what I'm watching now. And that's, I think, this, the same thing, that we can, how we can think about heaven, how it helps us to think about heaven. Actually, heaven is going to be more real than what we're experiencing now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but but you, can, you can think about it ha- that way, okay? So heaven is like to Blu-ray as this world is like black and white te- TV, okay? Or like radio. <laughs> you know? so, so, you know, that, that's, that's how, you can, how, you can, how we can think about it. Okay, so one thing is sure, all right? I was trying to describe heaven for you. But one thing is sure. The Bible, P- Peter says that there is an inheritance that we have waiting for us. So that means that for Christians, what he's telling the, those, those Christians that are in, in, in Turkey, right? He's saying, what you're experiencing now is the worst that you're ever going to experience. Because from now on, things only get better and better. You only have good things to look forward to. 
And then the converse of that is also true. That without Christ, this world is the best we are going to experience ever. And that from now on, we only have to look forward to more despair, more sadness, more hopelessness. So that's, that's kind of sobering, right? So he, that's what he's telling the Christians who are going through suffering. He says, I want to put it in perspective for you. This thing that you're going through right now, as hard as it is, it's the worst that you're going to experience because things only get better for you. Okay? Let's look at chapter, uh, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter, he's encouraging these people that, you know, God's going to guard them. He's going to protect them. He's going to protect them until the end. In fact, Jesus said, um, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand in John chapter 10. So God can guard over us. All right? Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That means God is never going to stop loving you. And he is all-powerful. He can do everything. He can protect you. The devil is never going to come and pry you away from Jesus. That's never going to happen. But he says, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. So you're, she- you're through faith shielded by God's power. The key here is what? Faith. That's why he, he's, he's emphasizing this to the, these, these, these Christians. You know, as they're going through these hard times, he says the key is your faith. If you hold on to this faith, God is going to guard you. He's going to shield you. The, the Greek word used for, for a guard is, is really like guarding, kind of like a military, military term. He's going to protect you, watch over you until, you, you, um, until the end. Oh, here we are. Okay, so the key is faith. And we have to hold on to our, our faith no matter what. And the, the thing was... For those Christians at that time, it very well might have meant they they had to hold on to their faith even in the face of death, right? Are we ready to to do that? We need to be. So, you know, when I was was thinking about this, I was thinking like, the the key is faith. All I need to do is hold on. And I I had the image, you know, of when I, my my wife and I, we were driving back from D.C. and we were driving through... um, uh, Cody, Wyoming, and we we stopped at the the rodeo, and and so the you know you see the bull riders they get they 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 get on the bull right in the, in the stall and they get one one hand tied down and they kind of you know wrap it around and then they're like okay yeah <laughs> and so they're they're like 
you know, don't let go, whatever you do. <laughs> this, you got to hold on to your faith like that. You got like a, you got like a special, a special glove, you know, and then you kind of like wrap that little uh, rein around it, you know, pull it tight and you're like, yeah, okay, you hold on like that. And then whatever life, however life tries to buck you off, you know, you're not letting go of your faith. Amen? Because what you are going through is temporary. All right? And when, when you get through, you're going to be like that bull rider who's like, you know, no, no, no it's, all, it's all by the grace of God. Amen? We, we're not going to swagger like the bull riders. But we got to hold on. We got to hold on. We got to hold on like, like a bull rider. Okay? You got to hold on to your faith. He says, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Actually, you know, Peter is, is, is further encouraging them. He's saying, you know, God has a salvation already prepared. It's all ready to go. Just need to flip the switch. That's it. But he's not doing it yet because he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all people to come to repentance. So God is not like inactive, passive, you know, forgetful or lazy. No, God is actually engaged. He's working now. He is, his Holy Spirit is working through his church, through you, each of you. He's working through you. Okay? He's active in the world. And the salvation is ready to be revealed. But he's saying, hey guys, hang with me a little bit more. I came down, sent my son Jesus to come down and die for you. And I didn't do it because it was easy. And I had to suffer. In the same way. Prepare your minds in the same way. You may have to suffer a little bit. Let's work together. He says, Paul says, we're co-laborers in Christ. We're co-laborers with, with Jesus, with God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, we're working together, okay? Salvation is already, it's already ready to go, okay? It could come at any time, but it's going to come at the right time because I have a plan to save as many people as I can. Whereas the, the devil, he, he is trying his best to destroy as many people as he can, right? So... You know, we, my wife, we, we, we watched the Transformers and there's the Autobots and Decepticons. So we're like on the Autobot side, you know, and there's like the Decepticon side. They just want to destroy all humanity. So, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Transformers, yeah. So salvation is, is ready. It's ready to be revealed, okay? It's not like God is, is just... Um, you know, oh, it's not ready yet. That's why you have to suffer a little bit more. No, Peter is saying, hey, you guys, this salvation is ready. It's kept in heaven for you. It's ready to be revealed. Just stick with it a little bit more. Verse six, he says, in all these things, you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So here, is the first part where, where Peter, he admits that, yes, you do have to suffer through grief and many kinds of trials. It does happen. 
It does happen. We, 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 do, we do suffer, suffer grief. In fact, Peter in verse chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. We go through difficulties here on this earth. But we can rejoice even through all of this. Jesus said he, we would have troubles in this world. But, he said, I have, take heart for I have overcome the world. So we can, we can rejoice even, even in the midst of our troubles. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. So he's saying, arm yourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. What kind of attitude did Jesus Christ have? It's, it's ready to suffer. He was described in Philippians chapter 2. It says that Christ, not considering himself equal with God, took on the nature of the human and was obedient even unto death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was, was on his knees. And what did he pray? He prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. So if we arm ourselves with that same attitude, we're ready. We know that, that, that sufferings are, are, are going to come. We're ready. Like a bull rider is, is in that stall, and he, he knows it's going to come when they you know, open the gate. We're, we've armed ourselves with that same attitude. Then we're, we're, we'll, um, we'll be able to get through it. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... You may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. So these things are temporary. Okay? So the verse 7, it says, These things have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus Christ is revealed. So he says that these these trials that you go through, these difficulties, they have come with a purpose. Okay? They've come with a good purpose. And he's going to explain it. He says, they've come um, so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be, be proved genuine. Okay? So our faith is, is, uh, is refined by fire. He says, Okay, I guess we can, we can look at it this way, right? When we go through experiences that we, that they're, they're, they're difficult and we're suffering, right? And we think, I don't deserve this. You, you think about it this way. If these things didn't come, would my faith be, um, you have to look at them as an opportunity of, Refining and purifying your faith, making it stronger. For example, 
the way that they refine the gold to make it more pure is to melt it, right? To heat it up. And then when it get, they melt it and they get it, get it hot, then all the impurities come to the top. Then you can see where, where the impurities are. In fact, you can, you can scrape off the impurities. You can take them off, okay? So in the same way, when we suffer difficulties, when we maybe um, you have some problem in, in your family, maybe there's some health, health issue or some financial difficulty that you're going, going through, something that it's not because of your sin, it just happened. We, we undergo that. Or maybe even you're being persecuted in your family. All right, These things are like the fire that melts, melts the gold does that same thing to our, our faith so that we can see all of these impurities that were in, in, in our faith, we can see them at the top and we can scrape them off. What are these impurities? Maybe I used to have faith in my bank account. Right? So what's on the back of the dollar bill? It says, in God we trust. Right? It's reminding us, don't trust in this money. We trust in God. So if you are going through some financial difficulty, you realize, oh, yeah, my faith needs to be in God. Not in my own abilities or not in my employer or, or the economy or the stock market. My faith needs to be in God. Amen? Maybe we realize that things have been mixed into our faith like trusting in our own strength. This, this comes through when, when, when somebody who is cl- close to you is going through some difficult time and there's nothing you can do about it. You can be the most capable, the most you know, um, hardworking, the most enduring. You can say, Lord, I can take anything. But it's out of your hands now. Somebody else who you care about is suffering. Then you realize... My faith needs to be in God, not in my own strength anymore. Right? We don't understand these things until we go through painful trials that expose those impurities in our faith. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be, have faith in anything else. Okay? The, the, the world is going to tell you, you know, you're good, you're, you're capable, you're skillful, all of these things. Just have self-confidence, all these things. But the Christian, for the Christian, you're like, wait, wait, wait. No, actually, anything that's good in me is because of Christ Jesus, is because of, of God. I am totally reliant on God. Everything that, every acclaim, every success that I achieve in my life is due to God. Okay? Our faith, our trust needs to be in God. And we don't realize these things. We don't learn these lessons sometimes unless we go through a painful trial. So that's how God can use these difficult times to strengthen and purify our faith. You know, when I was a kid, I used to like to collect rocks that had pyrite in them. And you guys, who knows what pyrite, what's the other name for it? Fool's gold, right? Because it looks like gold, but it's not. It's just shiny and gold-colored. So 
I, I, I would imagine maybe when you burn it, it would just burn up. It wouldn't melt like gold would. Um, I like to collect rocks with pyrite in them. And like, you know, sometimes you get like a, a pretty big chunk and it'd be, woo, you know, it's like gold. But it's not real gold. Because when you put it through the fire, it's just going to burn up. It's not, not, not true gold. Wouldn't it be sad if one day we go to meet Jesus and he says, you know what, I'm sorry, but you didn't have much faith in me at all. And maybe you have enough faith to be saved, but like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you may have been saved as though a man coming out of a burning building, just saved from the fire. Maybe you're saved like that. Painful trials help us to purify our faith and prove it genuine. In fact, the old Christians in the early days, when their lives were, were at, at risk for being a Christian, they used to look, even look forward. Tell people, they would tell people to look forward to um, an opportunity to uh, testify to Christ. When, when brought before the judge, or the, at that time it was like the, the, the judge and the governor is like all in one. You know? So you have executive and judicial branch together. You know? So um, when brought before like the governor or something, and then they would say, are you a Christian? Are these things true? And actually the governor may have been a good guy. He's saying, hey, you guys... Don't bring it on yourselves. That's one reason they didn't like the Christians. They thought these Christians are crazy. You know, just, just deny Jesus. That's all you have to do. We'll let you go scot-free. But of course, these people could not. Because what did Jesus say? He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And so when I'm out, like the UW campus or something, maybe I'm, you know, we're, we're singing worship songs together or, or just, you know, we're, we're going around sharing the gospel or something. And I, I try to think about that. And I try to think that, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to prove my faith genuine. Because you never know until you get into those situations. You never know until you get into those situations. Ignatius of Antioch, he was a disciple of John, John the, John the disciple, okay, from the, the 12 disciples. So Ignatius of Antioch, when he was about, he was more than 80 years old, somehow he was handed over to the authorities. They were going to bring him to Rome from Antioch in Syria over to Rome to be killed in the arena by wild beasts. He wrote to the, to the Christians in Rome. He says, you know, I, may, I have heard some kind of rumors that maybe you guys are trying to plan an escape for me or something. He says, don't do it. Because I am just now becoming a disciple. He says, I am just now becoming a disciple. He's, he considered himself a follower of Jesus. And he said, Jesus, walk this path. I wanna, I, it's good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. He, he, he said, this is an opportunity for me to know that my faith is genuine. Okay, I'm not saying that you have to, you know, look for people that are trying to kill Christians or anything like that, okay? But I'm saying that when you go through a painful trial and a painful experience, you can, when you go through that, and I know that you can, 
when you go through that thing and you say, wow, that was difficult. But now I know that I went through that and my faith was proved genuine. You know, I, I, uh, um, uh, a, a couple of years ago, I, I climbed up Mount Rainier and like, you know, like towards the top, I was like, oh, you know, it's really tough, you know, but I wanted to do it because one, it cost a lot of money. And then two, I wanted to know that I could do it, you know, because every, every time you see Mount Rainier in the distance, you can say, wow, I was at the top of that, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, you, you never, you're never going to know until you try it. I thought maybe I could, but I didn't know. In fact, I would never know until I try it, right? Until I go through that. In the same way, Peter says that your faith is proved genuine when you go through painful trials that aren't, you know, that you don't really deserve. So look at it that way, brothers and sisters. Stay strong. Stay strong. And then... you, when you come out of it, there is a benefit. There is a benefit of that. Not only that, he says, may be proof genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I don't know. What is the... Um, I know there are different military awards that you get for different things. And then you get one for, like, being wounded. You know? Is it Purple Heart? Okay. So it's like... People don't get the Purple Heart unless they've been wounded, right? You can't just like, oh, you know what? You could have been wounded. There you go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not like that, right? You only you only give the Purple Heart to the people who actually have been wounded, right? And then there's other other medals that you give for like, you know, Medal of Valor or something. You know, like bronze, silver stars. Um, but then the, there's the Purple Heart that's for you. You've been wounded in the in you know. In, in, in the line of duty, you know, in, 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 in battle. So um, I believe that when Jesus, is, that Peter is saying, when Jesus Christ is revealed, when we meet Jesus face to face, he is going to give you praise, glory, and honor for like kind of like a purple heart. And we won't get it unless we've, we've gone through those things. Just like the same way, you know, soldiers don't get the purple heart just because they could have been wounded. Amen? <laughs> So I'm not saying he's, he's given many, many reasons. These are all good reasons why we should be hopeful when we're going through, through difficulty. You take all these things together and you take the, the future that you have in Christ and then you reassess your attitude when you're going through the, the, the difficult times in your life. You, for one, you're saying, okay, this is... The worst that I'm ever going to experience is this, okay? It's not going to get much worse than this. Third, second, is it's temporary. It's only lasting for a little, a short while. Third, when I get through it, I know I'm going to be stronger in my faith because I'm going to see the pure impurities that are in my faith are going to come to the top. And then fourth, I'm going to know that it's genuine. I know that I could pass through it. So it's going to strengthen my confidence. I know that I can do this. And then fifth is that... When I get up to heaven, Jesus is going to award me. He's going to recognize, you know, give me glory and praise and honor. So these, these things, brothers and sisters, should help us to see sufferings is not always bad. Because sometimes we're kind of like, oh, Lord, whatever you do, please, please don't let me go through that suffering. Any type of suffering you know, any, any type of incomfort, 
In fact, anything five degrees up, above or too little is too much for me. You know, I just want a nice, comfortable room temperature, 72. 72 room temperature? That's, a, you know, 68. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I think that's, that's, you know, one of the main reasons I think this message is really important for us. You know, we're not getting flooded like in Manila or have, you know, tsunamis or, you know, earthquakes. Um, but I do admit that we, you know, everybody goes through difficulties. Everybody goes, goes through struggles. I'm not trying to make light of the things that we're going through. I'm just trying to give us a new perspective on, on the difficulties, difficulties that we go through. Verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And the, the word for souls here is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew something when it says, um, uh, which of you would, you know, what use is it for you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? And then it says, um, for the Son of Man came to uh, give his give his life for many. And it says, he uses that same word for life and soul. So the when it's saying salvation of souls here, the the soul is, is just like kind of an um, emphatic way of saying your entire life. Actually, the, the salvation is for your entire life. It's for eternity. It's also for, for here now. We can experience God's salvation in our entire life, okay? So, first of all, though you have not seen him, you love him. So the definition of faith is that certainty in which we do not see. The Bible says that whoever puts their faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. In fact, Jesus loved us first. That's why he came down to die for us as a payment for our sin. So when we believe in him, we receive that gift of forgiveness that Jesus bought for us. And so that's why we, we love him and we're filled with an inexpressible joy. Everybody register that? Okay. If you are not a Christian today and you want to be a Christian all you have to do is accept the payment that Jesus made for you. Okay? It's, it's, it's really that simple. Actually, okay, it's a little bit more. You have to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. Okay? Your Savior is that he saves you. So you trust in him, not in yourself. Right? Remember we talked about mercy? Mercy means that it's not about me. I didn't deserve it. But it's because of the one who showed mercy. That he's faithful. Okay? That's, you trust in Jesus as your Savior. That's the first part of becoming a Christian. The second part of becoming a Christian is that you make him your Lord. The Lord over your life. That means you can't be the one who makes the decisions in your life any longer. You have to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that you read the Bible and study the Bible. Because the Bible tells us what God, how God wants us to live. 
It doesn't mean that we are saved by doing those things. But that's how, that's, that's what we need to do. Okay? It doesn't mean you're saved by good works, but it teaches you how, how God wants you to live, what attitudes you, you, you should have. And the good news is that you can have all this for free. All of the things that I talked about, the inheritance in heaven, the living hope, that power, the, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead can give you a new life. You've been wondering, God, what is the purpose of my life? You know, I have to go. It just doesn't seem, you know, the older I get, it just seems the, the less purposeful, the less meaningful this life is. What am I supposed to, what am I doing here? I believe that God brought you here this morning so you can listen to this message because God has a message for you. He's saying, hey, this is what I want for you. I want to be with you forever in, in, in heaven for all eternity. If, is there anybody that wants to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior this morning? Please raise your hand. Does anybody want to? You don't have to be embarrassed because we've all, I mean, most of us here have, have already made that decision. Thank you. One person. Anybody else? You want to accept Jesus Christ for the, for, you want to make sure that you're going to go to heaven. Another person. Thank you. This is a good opportunity. Don't pass it by just because you're a little bit embarrassed. If you want to be sure, if you're saying, oh, I don't know, is he talking to me? Oh, you know, then yeah, probably I'm talking to you. Okay. But it's not me. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. He's here. Anybody else, please raise your hand and then I will lead you in, in a prayer. Okay, one more. Good. Okay, let's... Um, let's, let's, uh, let's, all, let's pray, pray together, especially everybody who raised your hand. Please, please stand up. Just stay where you are and, and stand up where you are. The reason you, I, I ask you to do this is because the Bible says that whoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. So part of it is believing in your heart, but another part of it is confessing with your mouth because that's an important part. We need to know that we made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to accept Jesus Christ. And the reason I asked you to stand up is not to focus people on you, but just so that you know afterwards, you know that you did make a decision and you can have confidence in that. Okay, let's pray together. So just, I will say something and then you repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I am a sinner. And I can't make it to heaven by myself. I need your forgiveness. Come help me live a new life. Give me confidence in my salvation. Give me confidence of my inheritance in heaven. Send your Holy Spirit to live in my heart and to strengthen me to live a new life. Thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. So, now, brothers and sisters, uh, hermanos and hermanas, I want to thank you. I want to encourage you to keep coming to the, the church to get a Bible. We have, um, I believe, Bibles that you can, you can take in the, in the lobby. Read through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then tell somebody else here that, that you've become a Christian and that you, you want some help. So that person can kind of like tell you and, and help you how to read and, and know, know how to pray. Okay? This, that's the... I'm, I'm very glad. Yeah. For all the rest of us, how many of us are still going through problems in our life? Amen. Me too. And you know, the Bible says that you're going to continue going through problems. In fact, I guess, uh, you know, when you go out to Issaquah and you look in the salmon, the salmon that are running right now, they're, they're running right now, you see that the ones that aren't moving, they're dead, okay? So the, <laughs> the ones that are, that are still swimming against the, the, the stream, they're, they're still alive. So you know when you're struggling against, against life, against the problems, you're still alive. Thank God. Amen? I want, you to, I want you to remember all of the things that we, that we went through today. That there is a purpose. God has a purpose. Many good purposes for the things that you go through. Okay? And, and God, He's definitely there with you. Actually, there's more purposes than even what we covered. God may allow you to go through some difficult things so that you can use the comfort that you receive from Him to re- comfort somebody else. There, there's actually other, other, other purposes. God has some purpose for you whenever you go through difficulties. So the goal in our life, in the Christian life, is not to avoid problems. But the goal is to overcome and press through the problems. Somebody says that Christians are like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper we go. The deeper we go into Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Let's, let's pray for, for strength. Lord God, Lord, I pray for your strength to be with people. Whatever problems they're facing, Lord, whether it's the financial problems, relationship problems, health problems, Father God, Lord, that you're going to strengthen them, Father God. You are going to make them overcomers, Father God. Lord, fill them, Father God, with, encourage them about the heavenly things, Father God, that you have in store for them, Lord. Thank you, Father God. You are a good God, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your word, Father God. We thank you for your word that nourishes us and strengthens us, strengthens our spirit, Father God. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.